You're listening to Between the Reads, a bi-weekly podcast that shines a spotlight on books by new and recently published authors. I'm your host, Audra Russell. Are you looking for a good read? Tired of being disappointed by trending books that don't live up to the hype? Maybe you're an aspiring author and feel like giving up on your writing? Stay tuned, book lovers and writers alike. This show is for you. Joel Washington Atterbury is one of Harlem's own, born, bred, and raised on the west side of town. With a keen eye, he absorbed everything that Harlem was socially, culturally, and artistically. From their hustling spirit for survival to the style of fashion these citizens projected as they navigated the concrete jungle. He took his talents across the water to the Garden State, which has been home for a few decades. This departure from the city helped Joel cultivate perspective and hone his writing skills. And although he still occasionally travels to the city from time to time, he takes Harlem with him everywhere he goes. He believes strongly in the words the late, great Bobby Womack once famously sang, Harlem is the capital of every ghetto town. His works are inspired by the spirits of great black intellectuals such as Langston Hughes, Ralph Ellison, Zora Neale Hurston, Paul Robeson, Duke Ellington, and Sammy Davis Jr., who walked the same streets he grew up on. Currently residing in South Jersey, Cape May County has offered him the gift of reflection away from the hustle and bustle of the city. It is there that Joel found his true calling, working in healthcare, assisting and connecting with others. He is the author of eight books of poetry so far and doesn't plan on stopping anytime soon. He credits his ancestors and his family as his creative fuel. Joel, welcome to Between the Reads. Hello, good morning, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling great. Good, good. So you you in my home state, Jersey. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and I think we talked a little bit in um, direct message because I saw that you were in Cape May and I hollered at you about uh, Harry Tubman spending their summers <laughs> there making money to use for the Underground Railroad. Yes, indeed. So you know, did you know about that? Because you, you seem like you didn't know. How are you going to live in Cape May for 20 years and not know that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> well, prior prior to you saying it, one of my cousins in Seattle, he brought it to my attention, but I just kind of forgot about it, you know, while all this pandemic is going on. Mm-hmm. So, And I heard little tidbits around town and everything like that. So mm-hmm. when you brought it to my attention, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And when I beat pandemic and everything mm-hmm. being okay. closed down here, so it's really been out and about. So I went down there. <laughs> yeah, and you sent me my picture, so I don't have to. I don't have to grill you on the show about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it was cool being down there, though. You know, just seeing it and, and mm-hmm. feeling it. You know, because it's right next door to the church. Oh yeah, I saw the pictures you sent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the only black church in Cape May. Is that what that was? Okay, wow. Yeah, in the city of Cape May. That's why I threw that out there. You know, oh, okay. just. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So let's get right into it. You have eight books of poetry, and I'm going to read the titles. You have Through My Eyes from the Sky. Yes. You have Through My Eyes from the Sky Part 2, and you did those in July and February of 2016 and 2018. You have Marvelous Measures of Me, which is the book I read from July 2018. You have Seeing the World Through My Spiritual Eyes. You have From Me to You, The Memo. Then you have Just Like Candy, The Galatron Files. And then you have The Galatron Files Part 2, Back on Earth, which I read a little bit of. So, brother, that's a lot of books. (laughs) (laughs) Got a lot to say. And you have a new one coming out, right? The new one is actually out already. And what is the name of that one, sir? The Man Behind the Hands. Mm, 
Okay, so I need to go back on my Kindle is what you're telling me and get another book. <laughs> the man behind the hands, because everything is manifested right and exact. You know, um, there was just a story behind that. Okay, what's your story behind that? The man behind the hands actually was not going to be a poetry book. Okay. It was basically going to be a book about telling about my life and what's in my DNA. Who okay. did you get ways from? Did you get it from your mother? Did you get it from your father? Or did you, or something just, you just inherited through the men in, in your family? Mm-hmm. Going line from your grandfather, you know, the ancestors. Right. But being that I was uh, involved with um, one of my cousins, my granduncle introduced me to one of my cousins who's incarcerated. And uh, me and him was going back and forth through emails. And he was telling me that um, him and a few inmates was um, reading my poetry mm-hmm. and they was trying to find out what did I meant by this and just trying to dissect it, having conversations, you know, having little ciphers. So I had enough material written and I write almost every day. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something something good for my cousin. You know what I mean? Show him family love. So I formulated that book and I gave a dedication to him in the book because he just <laughs> gave me that little push like, yo, just do another poetry book. <laughs> so and I just threw it out there. You know, I'm just, right. I was feeling a different energy too. I was like, you know what? The man behind the hands, you know, could it be this man behind your hands to give you a push? It might not even be your father. It could be some other, you know, Man within the culture, just um, standing up as a uh, family member, or a good friend, or just somebody giving you a helping hand. So um, that's where I went with it. Okay, so that came out of just some family love you were trying to show. That's that's, and I like the I like the cover that you had. I think you said it was your cousin do the cover. Yes, my cousin. Her name is Christine Jones. She lives over mm-hmm. in Etiquette. She's twenty five years old. Okay. Very very talented with her artwork. Mm-hmm. She is. I saw her page. She's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, "Cuz, anything you could do for me with that cover?" <laughs> so on the cover, you see the guy with the white hat on. That's mm-hmm. the old me mm-hmm. looking at the new me. You see, he's more confident. He's standing broad, and he's nice. table writing. So it's like, oh, so that's why that's where I'm going with this. It's like a futuristic thing. Mm, okay. Present time, and you looking at the future you, like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> right. That's deep. All right, so listen, let's talk about your poem, Daddy's Girl, from your book, Marvelous Measures of Me. Now, I'm going to read it, and then we can discuss it, okay? (laughs) Okay. All right, so here's Daddy's Girl. Moments we cherish when the world opens the door. A life come to form that you adore from the first sight explore. Precious young child, beautiful and so innocent. No matter the predicament, God's placement is evidence. Holding so close to heart, feelings of love and happiness. Tears of joy run down the face, smiling due to what's happening. Speaking to the essence, forming a bond that won't break. All the words aren't said as of yet, but the connection is felt. Warmth of pure light that touched the soul in every way. Even to this day, love reached thousands of miles away. Even from a youth into a teen becoming an adult, closeness still exists on parental planes through phone ports. So this is obviously about your daughter. (laughs) Yes, it is. Okay. So tell us what inspired this poem. No, a lot of times my daughter, she, when she comes up, I don't get a chance to see her and it's only fair moment when I do. Okay. I always want her to know that I'm right here, you know, when she needs me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes she'll call and be like, dad, just then we miss each other's calls Mm -hmm. because 
work in healthcare, so I can't really be on my phone like that. So, you know, I just wanted to, I was feeling some kind of way one day when me and her was discussing something. And she was like, hey, you called at the right time. I'm just going through so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started discussing things. And she was like, thanks, Dad. I appreciate your time. I know you'd be busy. I said, I don't be that busy. <laughs> you right. know, I'm too busy for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, and it wasn't like right after that I wrote that thing. The creator just bring things to me at certain instances. And, you know, it could have been a text she sent okay. me. And then everything is in my head, like a kaleidoscope of thoughts. Then it just came out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like a wall a wall of archive of thoughts and words and everything. You know, and, and the music helps me put it together when I hit instrumentals. Okay. Yeah. So so the conversation with your daughter was just kind of letting her know that she's the, the joy in your life. And that no 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 distance can separate you, basically. Right, and it was just an old day to her telling her because I know she she reads my books that oh okay I see what dad go she do spoken words so she's a subliminist so she she read things very well it was just saying you know I'm only a phone call away you know if you need me okay all right I'm here I ain't going nowhere <laughs> well every daughter needs to hear her daddy say that so. You done good, Daddy. Love my daughter. You done good. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right, so now we're gonna talk about your poem "Hard Life," which I'm also gonna read. I have like two more poems. I have this one and another one. <laughs> so we're gonna read "Hard Life." We're gonna discuss this one. Born in the '70s, what a great experience! Can't relive that era. There's a difference in its essence. All that was built off the movement in that time was circumstance of poverty, killing our own kind, drugs and alcohol and wicked things that came. What I didn't know is how the world started to change. My after-school days was a maze of getting home safe, learning at a young age to walk with a cool pace, hearing and seeing while I was lost, steady believing. Older people, heavy breathing, making sure they can eaten. Employment at a low, many law passing slow. While us small children grow, our parents struggled on they note. All right, now now let's enlighten. Let us. What's what is this poem all about? That's Harlem, baby. That's Harlem at its at its own seventies creation. You know, growing up, I've seen um. Well, this could happen in every hood, any area. But our eyes, I've seen you know families go next door. Oh, Miss So and So, um, you have any sugar? Or you have a little extra milk or extra flour? <laughs> mm-hmm. Bread, just different things. You know, we. We was born into that environment. So I, I would never say it was messed up, it's bad, this, that, and the other. It's an experience. Just um, knowing where you come from and like coming from school, right. you just seeing everybody's family, you know, somebody's uncle, and you just getting home safe. You know who's watching you while you go, you come from school. It wasn't like, you know, nowadays where the parents is waiting mm-hmm. right at the bus stop or here and there. You going different directions home. We ain't directly home. We used to go down somebody else's block. All right, we see you later. See you tomorrow. Turn around the other corner and come back up the street to your to your block. You know, so that's basically what that was about. Just just life, Harlem life, just the experience in the seventies. And I'm going back to a time when I wasn't even fourth grade. I was more like probably second or third grade. Mm. You know, it's just a memory. You no, know, coming through. Wow. Okay. Of what I saw, you know, families struggling and everything, and just trying to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about um, Mr. So and So. They ain't got nothing. They always coming over here. Mm-hmm. Everybody looked out for each other, one way or another. Right. Right. Absolutely. You no, know, my grandmother told me tales of why, 
And I was just like, wow, you know, and her being from South Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I learned, I grew up in the city, but I learned, you know, a lot of Southern ways and values. Mm-hmm. You know? So absolutely. My grandfather's from uh, Bennettsville, South Carolina. So, and then he retired to Spartanburg, South Carolina. So yeah. So we, so oh. I got, I got the South Carolina thing going on too. And they, they, yeah, we, we, we Orangeburg, Denmark, Bamberg, my great great grandfather, he helped fund Voorhees College, Jackson Wiggins. Wow. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. All right. So now we're going to talk about your poem, How Can I? All right. I'm going to read this okay. one. There's a new world happening, and we living in it, running on E so I can finish without limits. Although I'm handicapped to a language that exists, my clarity is poor, heart is rich, so go and get all that is available to seekers and protectors. Study work of Tesla, unofficial professor. Doc of the Bay Sitter, feeling like Otis Redding. Comfortable in a setting where there's no second guessing. I read what I wrote, quote any verse I wrote. Get family to sing notes I believe in sending hope. When I begin to lend a hand, don't handcuff the favor. What I cook in my phone don't require sound flavor. Now, what was the inspiration behind that poem? (laughs) <laughs> I'm always running on E. <laughs> I am. That's me. That's the that's the guardian, okay. which I call the guard. Mm-hmm. Because I work in healthcare, we always running about doing everything. But at the same time, outside of work, I have my own performance of things that I do. I go down by the bay to meditate and pray, which is only about seven blocks from me. And that's where I say, like, just being by yourself. You know, you get a chance to breathe and just relax, relax down. You go down by the bay, it's like going away from land. You know, nobody's really around or anything like that, so nothing else exists. It's you, the water, and the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just marvelous sights. So, right. you know, I just try to, that's why I use the old uh, Otis Redding just sitting at the dock of the bay. Because. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and I listen to music sometimes, but sometimes I listen to anything. I just, and you know, just watch the water waves and everything and mm-hmm. relax myself and meditate. And I just go, okay, anything is good. Nothing else can affect anything. You know, you, you just be you mm-hmm. and you formulate everything into a conclusion. So, 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 yeah, so that's where that was at. I got you. So that's where that came from. Okay. Yes. All right. So now we go, we're going to move to the writing side of the show now because I got to pick your brain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why did you choose the medium of poetry to express your thoughts versus writing, you know, a novel? Or Well, I was, I was already like going through a few things. You know, as I said, working in healthcare, you're dealing with so many different personalities. I've always had writing to immerse all my feelings and emotions out of mm-hmm. my vessel of anything so I just started just writing posting things up and my daughter was like dad um why don't you um, write a poetry book and I was like nah I don't think so <laughs> I'm not trying to be a rapper or anything like that she, so she was like uh, nah dad I think that'd be good and my god sister she was telling me too she was like you can share it with the world and I was like I don't think all my stuff is that good like that <laughs> you know what I'm saying so I'm like I'm just posting things on Instagram Facebook you know throwing some things out there. So I started thinking, so I'm formulating everything. I got everything in the archive and then boom, I was about to get it done. And I I was in a car accident. Um, the same day as I put the first book out, my car hydroplane 
in uh, West Cape May. It was a downpour, a heavy downpour of rain. Wow. It wasn't like that in the beginning. I went down to the uh, lighthouse in West Cape. I said, you know, it's a nice day a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go down there and pray and meditate along the nature walk, which is fabulous. Great feeling being around the green and nature. So I went down by the ocean, you know, see a couple of friends down there say hello. Mm -hmm. So when I was about to leave, I saw that it started raining. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to take the big bridge to know to go home because these people down here be crazy. You know, it's, a, it's the shore. So right. I'm going to go back to West Cape May. Well, my wheels tracked up a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And I just hydroplane fast. All I saw was that I was not going to be in existence anymore. Yikes. Wow. I wasn't scared. I was just, just just prepared. I just said, this is really messed up. Right. I said, it is what it is. And I was like, damn. <laughs> I said, you know, I guess you done served your purpose on this plane of existence. So, and they was like, you wasn't scared? I said, no. I just, I practiced stillness. Mm. So, when you practice stillness, you don't panic anything. You just take things for what it is. And um, divine intervention happened. There was an SUV in front of me, and I saw a, a tree and a pole on the right side of me. That's why I felt that way. I was like, you know, it's a done deal. It's a rat. I was going fast that all I kept saying, don't hit the brakes, or you're going to flip, or you're going to spin. Mm-hmm. So divine intervention came through and I went between the pole and the car mm. into this wine vineyard. I didn't go all the way through. It just stopped. I didn't even hit the brakes. Mm. That was nothing but divine intervention. You know, the creator at his best. And it was like, huh. your time is not here yet. So when I got to work later on, right. um, I just went on the computer and just put the book out. Raw. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you so so the universe had to shake you up a little bit to get you to do what you needed to do. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean it was just amazing. I mean it was kind of freaky at the same time, but you know, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that through God's mm-hmm. grace. There you go. So take us through a typical writing day for you when when you sit down to write. What does that look like? Actually, I I write everything on the go. Okay. You know, I could be at work. I could be you know. If I caught the bus and I'm sitting somewhere, thoughts come to me and I just start formulating everything. I write it in my phone. All the books been written in my phone. Wow. Yeah. When I'm at work, 15 minute break, 10 minutes, I take time to myself and I sit in the lounge and just, or the library and I just write something. It comes to me and I'm just like, oh, I might listen to some jazz music, alternative music, very early hip hop. I mean, I listen to hip hop, but I'm just saying, like, when I'm in them certain zones, I go old school, like an '80s music, some, and I mm-hmm. to like this little musical trance, and mm-hmm. I'm feeling the the beat and everything, the music, and thoughts just come to me. It's like it leaks down, <laughs> the rain, you know, and I just write it out, mm-hmm. and they be like, "You just wrote that? How? You was just texting?" I said, "I wasn't texting. I was writing. Mm-hmm. I was writing some poetry." I said, see, that's what y'all think all the time. You think when I'm just sitting there, you like, oh, everybody's texting in here. Like, nah, I always use my creative mind for everything. So that's mainly what I do. I just, um, it comes to me and I just manifest it out. So I just absorb the the wave of having this gift of just writing on the go. I can write about anything, basically. So when you go through your stages of writing a poem, what, what, in, what inspires it? Is it just something that you see? Is it just something you think? I mean, what, how do you just... Where does it come from? Everything is um, feelings and emotions. I had a teacher in City College. I was a part of a mini school, a high school college program. 
where I had a, the Abiel Doom from The Last Poets. He, he was my poetry teacher. Mm-hmm. So I learned to pick up on cadences, flow, feeling the track, the bass line, the melody, mm-hmm. you know, any parts of the music. I learned how to just absorb that and just take it, make it sure. So when I make it mine, it's mine automatically. You know, I I go in. The lyrics, the, it just start coming to me, the thoughts and everything. Like I, It's like a spiritual trance I go into, and I just ignore everything else around me. Huh. There's plenty of times at work, they'd be like, oh, excuse me, Joel, Joel. And I just hold one finger up, like, huh. hold up. You know, because I'm still... In, I'm still in thought. And then I start writing. And they're like, no, I just wanted to ask you. I said, I said, hold up for me. <laughs> then, then I'm like, I'm like still, I'm like still typing. And then I'm like this, all right. And I'm like, sometimes I could be at the eighth bar. And I'll be like, and I look, I'm like, oh, it's something to you. It ain't that important. And then I'll finish up, I'll finish up the four extra bars and when I and then I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm like, what's up? So you know, that's that's just a process I have. It's just installed right. in me. You know, like you on a computer <laughs> it's just the, you know the creator he just installed this application in me you just mm-hmm. be activated you know mm-hmm. and that's why i call myself the god because i am i'm the guardian of my own vessel mm-hmm. you can't have anybody else take away your soul or your mm-hmm. spirit you know you gotta if you can't utilize the vessel or the physical that you have to get you know go inside life and do what you need to do be careful because the creator might say you know what that spirit that's in there, we need to yank that out and put that into another vessel. So connect as one. It's like forming like um, Transformers or something like that, like GoBots or, or uh, you know Voltron or something. You got the science. Well, in the spiritual side of things, I think of it as arm, leg, leg, arm, head, which a lot, you know. So you know, I have different ways of seeing life. Mm-hmm. No, I love the, I love being spiritual. You know, I don't walk around broadcasting it. I just walk mm-hmm. in life. You know, my demeanor tell you everything. Like, I'm just real humble guy, just laid back, seeing the world for what it is. So we're in the middle of this pandemic, and since you're in the healthcare field, you're on the front line. So I know your days get really, really hectic. So what do you do at the end of a of a long day? to relax normally well, sometimes when i get home at the shower and everything i just lay down and just i watch kung fu <laughs> i watch kung fu movies <laughs> i do i'm just keeping it real i watch kung fu movies or you know i listen to some mellow sounds of um you no know, neo soul and i just, i don't even reflect on the job i just feel like when, when i'm in the car driving i take the scenic route home so it's longer mm-hmm. so i get time to get it out of my system a little bit like oh man mm. What a night. Right. <laughs> so when I get home, like I said, I take a shower and I just lay down and just be like, let me check out one of these Shaolin flicks. <laughs> because, you know, in those Shaolin movies, they got, there's hidden messages in there. Okay. So, so you know, I always look for those hidden messages. So that's what it just takes my mind off of other things. And I'm just like, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? Then I'm going to fade off and go to sleep. Wake up to see another day. I always wake up and say, brand new day, brand new feeling. There you go. That's a good mantra to have. So what period do you feel you write about most often in your poems? See, the period of life. Mm-hmm. Do you write about your childhood more? Do you write about your young adult? Do you write about fatherhood? Is there? Do you notice that there is any kind of a theme that you seem to focus around? Everything is reflection. Reflection of life. 
Yo, know, mm-hmm. okay. sometimes it's about friends, what they're thinking, what they've been through. Mm-hmm. But I think whatever they go through, it's already casted in the world. Okay. Everybody's out there going. It's like being a, narr- a narrator for the world, you know, um, broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. I broadcast you know, okay. on different frequencies. You know, I pick up on things. It could be conversations I might be having with a circle of friends. If you're talking about when we went to school, mm-hmm. and that just opens up a door, a way of memories, mm-hmm. not even about really what we're talking about, but just what I forgot about. And they, be, I might be with a different set of friends mm-hmm. that these certain things happen in, in their life and stuff, and I just put it down on paper for my eyes. You know, that's why I said through my eyes from the sky. God, the, the heavenly enlightener, you know, <laughs> to mm-hmm. just give you what you need. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll talk about this. Talk about that. There's not really much thought. You know, like I said, I just, I go in a spiritual trance and it, it's just broadcasted to me. And just, you just bring it. So, so that tes- Tesla being the professor, you know, Tesla, be- he believed that ideas were just in the universe and you just had to tap into the frequency yeah. to you that they were already out there. So that's kind of what you're doing then. You're just you just open yourself up to that frequency and let the poems come. True. Okay. True indeed. You got it there you go. got it right on the spot. There's no other <laughs> explain. You know, you put me in a room you put me in a room for about an hour, I'll come up with a few things online. You be like, hmm? I can't believe you just wrote all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Like, you're, you are definitely a prolific writer. I will. I will. I have to say that. I, I thank you for that. So, do you have a favorite poet? Yeah, I have. A, I have a few. I have a couple. You know, Langston Hughes. He was always. Okay. So, he was always top notch. You know, Langston Hughes. But you know, at the okay. same time, there's just just too many of them. You know what I mean? But I just uh, digest everything that uh, Langston Hughes has written. I love Langston. Just coming Hughes. from just coming from Harlem. Mm-hmm. And uh, being around at Schomburg Library Center, mm-hmm. I've just absorbed everything Harlem, the whole Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. In that era, you know, and I have a lot of family members that always been pro-black. So they've been like activists and everything like that, been so much involved with the community. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I believe that's where everything is starting with me from. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, I'm just the, like the second coming of them. Look at you, the second coming of the Harlem Renaissance. All right now. All right now. <laughs> I, mean, I ain't trying to go home, but you know, right. I'm I'm on one right now. All right. I am. I'm on so one. So if you could give aspiring poets one piece of writing advice you wish you knew when you started out, what would it be? The advice that I can give to others is just be you. Don't never let anyone take anything from you. Don't believe in someone saying that, oh, that don't sound. Be open to criticism because you're not going to please everybody. Everybody's not going to like what you write. If you're a singer, everybody's not going to like what you sing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's whatever somebody else's cup of tea Absolutely. is. So, I mean, just just do you. Just um, believe in yourself. Exactly. Just know that you're going you're gonna to make a mark wherever you go. You know, mm-hmm. Keep God first on that, everything else lasts. So why don't you tell our readers where they can find your books on the internet? All books are available on Amazon, and also they can go to my website, which is on www.mrjoelharris1430.com. Okay, great. And then where can they find you on social media? On social media, I can be found on Facebook, as Washington Atterbury, on uh, Instagram, 
King Atterbury 7, and also Mentality 9. Mentality spelled with two L's. Okay, with two L's. All right. Well, Joel, this concludes our show, and I want to thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show with me today and sharing your time and your talents with us. It is much, much appreciated. You're welcome, and I thank you for having me on your show. My pleasure, brother. And I'm going to leave you out there, booze and bros, with a quote from the late, great Robert Hayden, who was the first black to hold the title of U.S. Poet Laureate. And he says, art is not escape, but a way of finding order in chaos, a way of confronting life. Until next time, booze and bros, grab a book and read, and I'm out. You've been listening to Between the Reads. I'm your host, Audra Russell. Thanks for tuning in. This week's episode was brought to you by loyal Patreon supporters, romance author D.L. White, whose books you can find at booksbydlwhite.com, Xanthine's All Natural Products, which you can find at xanthines.com, that's X-A-N-T-H-I-N-E-S.com, and by The Ultimate in Urban Literature, Paper Chase Publications, which you can find at paperchasepublications.com. Tune in next week for another great episode.